Hi, and welcome back to the Pistachio Experience. My name is Roman, and I'm your head, Pistachio. One of the main objectives of this podcast is to look beyond the status quo. Today's guest is very special to me, as he inadvertently helped me to name this podcast. Naturally, we will go into detail as to what transpired during this unexpected encounter. Often, we think about psychedelic medicine in terms of healing of the soul. But what would you do when you enter the space and meet your fellow explorers? Besides that, fateful night, we talk about society, love and the pandemic may be discussed too. As usual, I'm grateful that you are listening. Kindly share, like, subscribe and maybe, if you like, write a few nice words about the podcast. And now, please enjoy the conversation with the modern-day philosopher, entrepreneur and beautiful soul, Louis Blake. Recording in progress. We've started. How are you, Louis? Good. Yeah? I'm good. How are you? Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to say, you know, I'm fine. I'm great. But it took a lot of work to, to come here. Um, especially mm. in the last uh, two weeks was a, a roller coaster. Um, I have met my old demon, so. I'm, but this is not about me. It's all about you. <laughs> I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you for asking. Good. Good. Mm. Um, so before I um, I go into my notes and, and look at my the questions that are kind of um, devised, I um, I want to share with you two things. Um, have I ever told you the, the name of this podcast? No. Hmm. Divine Pistachio. Sorry? Divine Pistachio. <laughs> You're so close. <laughs> it's the Pistachio experience. <laughs> and uh, for a long time, I had all these weird names. And then one evening, I was uh, thinking about you um, and the experience we had in, um, in the woods <laughs> or in this <laughs> strange uh, cabin. <laughs> One day they will make a movie. <laughs> and um, it came to me. It is. It's the pistachio experience. The way how how you tried your first pistachio was mind-blowing. We need to, at some point on this in this chat, we need to explain how that happened and what that was. I'm sure we okay. will. Yeah, I'm sure we get there. Yeah. So um, that's the first thing. I'm really grateful for you um, being part of the the, uh, at least 50% of the name giving to this. It's, it's uh, the Louis Blake logo will be, or the name will be given to it. <laughs> um, and the, the second thing is, um, for some reason, I'm really, uh, I was really nervous anyway to, to A, meet you and B, have you on this podcast. Um, the first, I mean, years and years ago, I reached out to you already and we met on, on some uh, vegan festival. And for some reason, you've um, really stuck in my in my head. Something in your aura, something in your um, your essence, your energy, captivated me, and made me really nervous. Then meeting you, I, I knew that there's not a lot to be nervous about. You're actually quite a nice, despite the cover of the book, you're quite a nice <laughs> chap. <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to share this with you. Um, there's nervousness in me and uh, extreme gratitude. Um, Thank you. Um, yeah, let's get started. I, the pistachio experience is really um, a conversation about 
us, the human experience, what we can do to better ourselves, um, and not just ourselves, but each other. I think we're here in this um, beautiful human experience, um, joined together. And um, so to get started, I when I kind of did a bit of research, and I, I'm not, I didn't go deep, deep, but I found the terms, um, or the, let's call them labels rather, um, the vegan, the athlete, the investor, the speaker, um, the entrepreneur, but maybe you can speak a bit um, to who Louis is behind all those labels. Mm. I think it's, it's really interesting that the, the term label and the building of an ego around and using these labels, right? Trying to figure out, I think in our formative years, in our adolescence, we try and figure out who we are. And then we attach ourselves to these labels that we think sound cool. They're going to validate us to other people. Mm. And ultimately what we're looking for is love and acceptance, right? Mm. I think what I have learned is that it can almost be counterproductive to to to, to, to receiving love because effectively we create uh, an aversion of ourselves or, uh, or a, a label and then that label receives love but it's not who we truly are and therefore the love doesn't feel real to us because it's not for who we actually are it's for the persona that we've created and these are all what I see as personas the entrepreneur, the vegan, the, the whatever you might be and if I really think about it or meditate on it or go into a psychedelic experience questioning it it brings up the the formulation of why i've chosen those particular paths and a lot of it is from sometimes it's from from love and you know particularly on the with the the, the vegan side of things and the business side of things it's curiosity it's love etc but a lot of the time it's also from fear mm -hmm. of not being accepted of not being loved of not being seen you know, and, and to quote, I think the human experience is to, to, to feel a range of emotions and feelings. And in order to experience one, we have to be able to experience the other. It's polarity, right? We need to be know both, both sides. And so um, I think the first 30 years of my life was building this ego and this persona, these different personas. And I found in the last couple of years, it's been publicly staying with them but maybe privately starting to dismantle and question a lot of them and you know whether that be through various practices through psychedelics through conversation through reading i think it's interesting that you put all of this energy and effort into into um solidifying these labels and becoming this person and then you do all the things you thought were going to make you complete and then you realize it doesn't and then you need to question it again Especially if you, um, if you kind of walk a, a more public path and people look to you for inspiration, look for you for answers, and then suddenly they see, oh, wait, he's not really attached to all those things. I remember... I have been, um, I, I have mm, been attached to them. You have? I've been attached to them, yeah. Like, I think there's... I think, you know, we have to understand our biology. Like, we're... We have this this like in like our biological reward for validation by the tribe is so mm -hmm. strong 
Mm. You can see how this can be manipulated with things like social media algorithms, right? You can mm-hmm. see how how good it feels to be rewarded and recognized and et cetera in, in that moment. And, if, and it, it's almost a form of addiction. And so, you know, you, you do, it's why, you know, when I started out with businesses, it's like, well, if I just open this one restaurant, I feel so good and so, and I would have succeeded and so validated. And then you get it and you're like, <laughs> ah, yeah, but I could really, if I had two, and before you know it, you know, you've built this whole thing without actually questioning, well, who am I that wants that? And what does that person actually want? And what does that person actually actually need? And maybe it isn't 20 restaurants and everyone to know who you are. Maybe it's taking the joy in the day-to-day of the one and, and what that achieves, you know. And that, that's kind of some, some of the realisations I've had more recently. Like, you know, I think it's easy in terms of the vegan thing to, to want to, to have scalability and grow and, Know, economic growth at, at, um, at all times but because you can say you can justify it you know from a from a um, virtuous perspective and say well the more I do the more animals I save the more people I help mm-hmm. you know it's very easy to, and mm-hmm. it's a fine line between doing it for those reasons and mm-hmm. doing it to appease your own you know um, persona so yeah and then very quickly you the 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 virtue becomes the virtue signaling and you're doing it out mm. of, you know, the, it, it turns back into an ego, ecocentric um, mission. It goes very clever, right? It, it shifts, you know, and you, you see that in the, in, in the, in the spiritual community and, you know, the person that, and we're all guilty of it at times, but you, you, you carry across the same things, but you get the ego high, just like, you know, you may be in this very materialistic thing and you have the best this, the best that, the best this, and, you know, you have these realizations, but then you have to have the best yoga teacher, the best retreat, the best everything. And it, the ego shifts about you even realizing it under the guise of being virtuous. So um, mm-hmm. you have to, it takes a degree of self-awareness and dismantling of the ego that, that most people are, are, are very, very uncomfortable with. But I've had a couple of experiences where I've experienced complete ego, I would say ego death. And don't get me wrong, like this is, this is uh, cyclical, right? Like you, it's almost like you you come you can come back the other way and come back into that. But that experience in itself of the dismantling of the ego is sometimes what's necessary to be able to see that you were that strong in that stance in the first place. Hmm. Yeah, you mentioned in this uh, kind of the ego in the spiritual community, which is such a a weird oxymoron. Yeah, we're fighting so hard to get yeah, yeah. not to get rid of the ego, but to to manage him her they them however you want to label your ego um but i noticed recently especially then in the kind of in that group that uses psychedelics um to help further their um their self-finding it's now you know i tripped x y and z and then the next person goes no but i tripped much harder I, I took uh, 400 micrograms of LSD. And then it becomes a competition of who takes more. But then I'm, I'm looking, I'm listening to Eddie Griffin and says, yeah, but it doesn't matter um, who the messenger is. Did you get the message? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or how, how hard you, how much you've taken, but did you actually take time to, to realize what happened to you or what's, what, what message was given? It's intention, right? It's the intention behind it. You know, if you, you get to a point where you need to take more to achieve a certain state, then that's mm. that's personal and, and, and that's that's the intention. It's not a case of 
comparison to someone else and to your point that's just where it that's where it shifts and where it's very clever i think you know with the ego it's, it's, it's we, we an ego is, is vital in a sense that we have a sense of self to be able to function in, in this reality but it's whether that ego controls us and controls our uh, our urges and, our, and we're, we're fighting to appease it or whether it's just literally for that sense of self and uh, I, I think that's why you know, with, with, with psychedelics it's interesting and anytime I've heard people in under, in that kind of mindset of yeah well I took this, I took this much beginning they often get to a point where they take that big dose and it has the opposite effect okay. <laughs> they come out of it it has they reach the point very often when it comes to the opposite effects and they come out of it and they're definitely not talking to anyone else about how much they've done because <laughs> sometimes take them going to that point right and i've been yeah. there, you know i've been i've been there i've been there i remember like trying to take more and more and more mm-hmm. and then you take a uh, i'm not gonna let my ego come into it in this conversation mm-hmm. and say how much but you take a uh, a sizable dose and then you're like ah yeah <laughs> but even mm-hmm. the, even with this conversation you know, there's an there's a compassion necessary to empathize with that person's position to 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 be someone that that requires that and that 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 dialogue you know or to be in mm-hmm. that position where they need to take more Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, that's something that I've been practicing. Re- I've found challenging over the last couple of years is less what's going on and more to be able to practice compassion mm-hmm. at a time where I'm just cannot empathize with people's position on how they see the world and how they're being. And, and it, it comes, it, it's weird because it's like, it comes from a place of compassion because I care about people. But then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how can you not see, <laughs> you know, and, it, it, and it's a challenge, right? And it's something <laughs> I'm really working through. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, it's been one of the things I found really challenging. It's like, you know, this, 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 these, these, these things are happening and, you know, the, the compliance and the willingness to be ruled and dictated to mm-hmm. is leading us all down a certain path and you, you're trying your best to, I open I have an open dialogue with people mm-hmm. who are furthering that 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 uh, that narrative and you, you we need to have compassion but mm. it can be very hard <laughs> it can be very hard there's this um, from the same person now um, Ramdas who who you um, um, know well um, one of my favorite um, mantras of his is loving awareness so love mm. everything love 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 everything <laughs> but at the same time he also says don't forget your humanity you know don't forget your hum- human experience don't forget to be angry don't forget to cheat fuck drink you know all the things that uh, that are necessary to be human and then i'm <laughs> you know on the one hand i'm having this loving awareness when i'm tr- i try to love everything deeply and unconditionally but on the other hand <laughs> I'm really angry with how things are going right now. <laughs> yeah, and and there's a and there's a permission that you give other people who are also conflicted in this way by mm. by speaking openly about that. Right, this is the mm. thing. Of, his other thing of love everyone and tell the truth. It's like the first part. Is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm loving everyone, but I have to tell the truth and say that sometimes I get angry, sometimes mm. I get frustrated, sometimes I act in a place. Of, I act from a place of fear. I act from a place of lack. You know, I'm, I find myself, I think like to think of myself as someone who's fairly free and 
but then I, I do I catch myself and that's the most important point catching yourself I catch myself acting from fear and it can be something super simple you know it can be I'm someone that has a fairly abundant mindset and I remind myself of that every day multiple times I'm abundant I'm abundant, I'm abundant. and I'll be in a position where I could quite easily I'm tired I just want to get home pay for an uber and I catch myself walking to the tube station and then having to walk half a mile to camera just get the uber abandoned like this is like money like is a you know this is a very small kind of real world example but how we trick ourselves into acting from fear so often that mm. um yeah i i can relate to this for, for me it's conditioning for my family mm. um my dad is super stingy <laughs> like stingy as can be but very successful um uh, when it comes to financial freedom he he um He was very uh, abundant and that's why, you know, he was always, uh, and I walk around as if I have gazillions on my account and, you know, take the Uber, the, what's it called? The, the Lux or whatever, <laughs> because I can, no, I can't. <laughs> It's a weird thing, but it, as long as I, as we believe we're abundant, it, it comes back exactly. and money is energy, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. Mm. So um, you've opened the can of worms already. <laughs> mm. um, I'm really Didn't interested how, long. sorry? Didn't take long. No. <laughs> um, I find it just on that note, I find it really challenging to have pointless conversations now mm. at this point, right? Mm. Like I find myself speaking a lot less and I don't really engage in, not a necessary conversation because I, I enjoy community. I'm a very communicative person, mm -hmm. but I can't entertain the dreariness of, oh, did you hear about this person doing this? So, so when you say, yeah, we open a can of worms, it's like- Will Smith slapped uh, Chris Rock. Right, but, but how <laughs> much, like, like uh, I, I've, the quite, there's so many questions and so many things to discuss, which are so interesting. I just feel like I'm, I'm wasting energy by discussing anything else. Like, yeah, I want to know, like, what is going on? Why are we here? What are we doing? Like, what is the DMT? But I, I want to know this stuff, mm. right? And I think it's the most interesting and, uh, and engaging conversations that you can have. And so, yeah, like, this, we should be talking about this stuff. Who cares what happened at the Oscars millions of miles away? I'm focused on, my, like, our immediate reality. Mm. Mm. It, look, I, I don't want to be the, the the devil's advocate here, but because I, I'm I'm, I'm on your side here. Um, it takes such an amount of um, honesty, depth, vulnerability. Um, you know, you need to open yourself up to have these conversations. Mm. That I, I I understand when people, you know, people are scared right now. People are are living in financial fear in in health fears um so there's there it, people are surrounded by fear so now that that one dude slaps another dude in the face because he made a joke about something that isn't even that funny or that hurtful i'm sorry that we're banging on about the same <laughs> the same subject but um so i i wonder what can we do To, to further those conversations rather than hmm, this happened in Hollywood. I think any time 
that you think about how to make the world better or other people better, you need to come back to how you make yourself better, right? Mm. So it's like the best thing that I can do to help anyone else mm. is heal myself and be the best version of myself. And the best way to help someone else to open up on how they feel or, or what they're going through, or their fears, is to open up on your own. Mm. Right. So, like you know, if we all did the work on ourselves and we'd, you know, we'd make the world better by default because we'd go out into the world a better, better person. And I had a really strong um, kind of metaphor on what was supposed to be quite a light dose of mushrooms a few weeks ago and it ended up being a pretty intense experience. Life, I should know better. Life shifting. I sh yeah. And I essentially I saw this kind of like, I saw everyone as these like, energy generators walking around mm -hmm. right and i saw the amazing power that human ha humans have to create reality through um through energy and whether energy is directed and i saw all these people that are working on themselves and being this version and spreading when they go and interact with other generators they're adding energy to those people and these are the healed people that are going around happy abundant etc so by becoming one of those generators that's happy abundant powerful you're by default benefiting the world around you and acting in a way that benefits the world around you and i think it's easy to get caught up in trying to heal everyone else and do everything and help everyone else and help the world and that's a beautiful place to come from but the real work starts with us and i think we can and i think especially when it comes to open up about fears and and concerns and 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 that, that comes from, from, from us as individuals, from being the most authentic version of us and speaking from an authentic place and being an authentic person. And then you give other permission by people permission by default to, to, to do the same, right? Mm. I like that. Um, I always had a problem with um, the, 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 this term, be of service. Yeah, it's, mm. uh, I, I understand the, the meaning behind it. But you can also hide behind being of service. It's kind of the, the, the spiritual bypassing thing. Oh, this happens, uh, it happened for a reason. No, not necessarily, you know, be angry about it. You know, not everything has to be spiritually bypassed. Not everything has to be, um, not everything has to be done through an eye of service. Um, if you look within and be, you know, be, be your own best servant. I think there's the change, uh, as you mentioned. I think you can, I think it's, it's like put your oxygen mask on first, right? Mm, mm, mm. But equally, you know, I think one of the things I, I went through a bit of a rut a few weeks ago where I was like, you know, very angry, very affected, very like not trusting the process of what was happening and just feeling it. And the thing that pulled me out of that was being of service. It's like, how can I, one of the ways for, for me to feel good again, and maybe this is a bit of bypassing is what can I do for someone else? And that, mm. that, I think that gives us a sense of purpose and a sense of usefulness sometimes. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people just feel that they, they don't have a purpose. And not that we, we, any of us need to have a purpose. Like we're here, to, I believe we're here just to be and to experience. I don't think we need to achieve grandiose things. But for a lot of us, it, we, we need to feel useful to other people and seen and valid and, and recognized by other people. And one of the easiest ways to do that is to go and do, go and do something for someone else, <laughs> right? And it kind of bypass, it kind of hacks that that feeling of, of, of usefulness, and it can be a really small thing. I think the 
the the size of our world now, both in terms of well, our known world and also the amount of people that we can communicate with, we have this basis of comparison that's far exceeded any basis of comparison in through history. So if you grew up in a small town 100 years ago, you might compare yourself to the other people in the town or the people you read about. And, you know, the, there wasn't this need to be as, you know, if you're a 15-year-old footballer, you now look on Instagram and you can see the best in the world all over the world and you've got to be that good rather than as good as the kid in your local town. And I think mm. you know, where we do compare ourselves to such a degree and that's kind of tracked, rewarded socially mm. and, and it incentivizes people to have to compete on that level. But I think that's where a lot of it comes from. I listened to this, um, I think it was on the Lex Friedman podcast, which is amazing. Really I, I good, love, yeah. uh, oh, what, a, oh, what an alien <laughs> this guy is. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, I, I forgot who it was, but but he um, he said that we have the way how technology evolves is is far far quicker than us humans can evolve with it. So the the basically us waking up and and finding out news from Brazil, we we, we shouldn't be aware of it. It's too much. It's it, It fucks with our mind so badly that we're in constant, you know, in a constant state of anxiety. And, and I think that's by design, right? Wow. I think it's by design. I think oh, you, you have, put on your tenfold head, my friend. News isn't news. Isn't news? It's propaganda, right. right? And if you look at the control mechanisms in place, the same people that can control the news, control the entities that are uh, uh, set to benefit from whatever news is perpetrated through, through a mainstream narrative. Um, and then enforced and then enforced further and then adjusted based on whatever the need becomes. It's not real news. And so you have 24-hour news where people are kept in a state of fear, anxiety, etc. from the minute they wake up to the minute they go to sleep. Um, and if we think of ourselves as these generators, we are so powerful in our ability mm -hmm. to create reality, right? Mm -hmm. That if you have all of these generators walking around perpetuating fear and spreading fear, you're then able to dictate the world and what happens by through those people and by by whichever means that you're encouraging them to believe and fear is a you know fear is a is an interesting one in the sense that you can almost get people to do whatever you want when they're in a state of fear when they have a low sense of self-responsibility and 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 and, and we saw this through covid it's like okay if you don't do this this will happen comply And you saw how many people complied without, and it defied any kind of emotion overrided logic in that sense. It defied any kind of logical response. It was purely emotional, purely fear driven. And that narrative was pounded. And then it was char emotionally charged through if you don't do this, then you're this, or if you don't follow this way, then you're this. And then it was culturally enforced so that we were essentially policed by each other in this glass prison. And You know, I'm sure you experienced, I experienced it, the, the amount of times that, that I, I felt, like, you know, I, I tried to end, if I, if I, like Lex Friedman, I love some of his podcasts, but I don't agree with everything he says in his position and everything, mm. but I'm mm. still able to say that I like him as a person from what I hear. Mm. I can have a, I can have a debate or a conversation with someone who has a completely different view to me mm. and keep it entirely unemotional. And I'm also open to changing my view at any point when I'm presented with new information. But I think when it's charged with such emotion, mm. people cling to that 
response, particularly around mm. fear. Mm. And you see how the media is set up now. If, you know, you can watch the news for all 24 hours in the day and you won't see anything positive. Mm. Why is that? Why do we need to know what's happening in, in Brazil somewhere? So my personal position on the, the news, which isn't news, let's call it the propaganda machine, is I just mm. don't watch it. Mm. Don't engage with it. I, I, mm. I want to I get my my news, shall we say, from, from podcasts, from my own lived experience. Um, I wouldn't go as far as like, I think I loved, I loved Terence McKenna and I loved his, his love, his positional stuff. And he's like, discount anything that you haven't seen, touched, mm. felt, heard in person yourself. Mm. And this, it does make kind of make sense in some, <laughs> in some ways, right? It's like, how can mm. you know anything else? And mm. the, the more extreme this gets and the more weird the world seems to get, the more I come back to that thought, I'm like, and maybe I can only really believe the stuff that I've seen heard felt experienced so how, how do you talk with people who come come at you with that that narrative you know and you can so tell this, this comes back to my point about practicing compassion and that's mm -hmm. why you know i do my best and I, i see it if i get angry or emotional in those conversations and i see it as a weakness mm -hmm. in myself so i try and keep it very unemotional and I want to learn why why they're thinking how they're thinking maybe there's something that I can learn from that exchange but very often it's just attack coming the other way like I've, I did calm it down for a while what I was sharing and what I was posting and I got shadow banned a bunch of times but now I kind of share stuff more kind of like jokingly I just want to trigger people's thought I, I, I like to I think it's important to question things and I, I'd like to hope that by me questioning things I encourage other people to question things and it's not to say that what we're being told is wrong is to say that we have a right to question what we're being told hmm, it doesn't quite feel right like, you know you you have a gut feeling about things and there's so much stuff that just doesn't feel right doesn't hmm, I, I, I don't think that's true i don't believe that let me question it and uh, it's interesting that that ability to question things has been so um restricted yeah so, banned. yeah mm. yeah mm. Today, just I mean, maybe 15 minutes ago, I, I looked, uh, I scrolled through Instagram as you do, <laughs> preparing for a podcast. <laughs> and there was a video of Anthony Fauci from, I don't know whether you've seen it, um, maybe from the 80s. And uh, he was asked whether someone who had the flu should get the flu vaccine. And he said, no, no, why? If you had the, if, if she, this person generally had the flu, you have the best um, protection because being infected gives you the best protection of a um, of this kind of virus and now you know in the last two years we have heard a completely different approach um, to how we should be safe in our bodies and people you know fall into this bottomless pit of of um what i'm looking for um acceptance mm. You know everything that's been told and everything that's been given is is accepted without any any question. It almost feels like it's like how far can we push this? We've been caught out. We've been it's been seen that we've lied, we've manipulated, we've and we've openly said it. Will they still believe us? And it's still going. It's still going. And this is where this and this is where the ability to practice compassion becomes difficult because you think you know how many. Where does it have to go to? And I think, you know, we, we looked at history. Like I, I love history. I find it really interesting. Again, 
a question might I read. It's always obviously the most part written by the victors. So you never know if what you're mm-hmm. reading is 100% accurate. But I think we looked at history and you can see, and you, you often think when you look at history and think, well, how did they allow that to happen? Mm-hmm. And it's not something that happens over a short period. It's something that gradually happens. And I feel like we're, everything being cyclical and coming round in, in cycles, I feel like we're coming back into this totalitarian dictatorship that, that we've seen throughout various times throughout history and we're 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 kind of falling blindly into it little like little by little mm. with full acceptance and there will come a time when the people that we're saying that are, that are, that are following it will say well how do we get here mm. we can we, we we chose it's been mm-hmm. a choice all along mm. it's, been, it's been a choice the whole time i spoke to my my, my granddad um he was uh what well, he he fought in world war ii i'm german so you may guess the the side he was fighting on, um, um, and he never, never, never spoke about the war. Um, my mum said when he just before he died, he had some kind of uh, brain tumor. He he uttered some things, but we never, never found out what what really happened to him. But I spoke to my grandma about it and said, how how was it possible that Hitler was able to? Well, it was. It's easy to know how he rose to power because I think, like most dictators, he, he had uh, he actually had benevolent ideas. But then something happened, and and it turned. And, and she said, "But we didn't know. For us, it." Um, and I'm not. I'm not excusing this in, in any way. But but it, it happened like now. It happened step by step. And like Jordan Peterson, um, how does he put it? Um, you know, I push you into that terrorism one little step at a time. Mm. You won't even notice until you're there. And I think this happened w- with the Germans um, um, in the 30th, 30s. Um, and it's happening to us now. But now we know. We see the writing on the wall. Mm. Yeah, it's a, I think it, we're fairly fortunate in, like, you know, I don't say fortunate, but I think there's been a lot more pushback in the UK than there mm-hmm. has in, say, to in Canada or mm-hmm. Australia and you see these extreme measures and it's it's you know it's in direct contradiction to the to the to to, to humanity democracy all these things that we you know the some of the measures that have been implemented and, and spoken about positively mm-hmm. I, I, I really this is where the, the, the struggles empathizes come how anyone can look at that and think that that's okay mm-hmm. and it comes down to I think, security over freedom i think is mm-hmm. the key kind of like position on this and for me it's you know it's freedom first always and what does that mean and then we have to think what does freedom mean and yeah it's uh it's uh what does it mean to you what does freedom mean um freedom to me means that the the, the, the right to choose mm-hmm. it's autonomy over my experience i think for me it's a great kind of mantra to live by it's like do whatever you want to do just don't harm other people other beings mm. like, lit, like do do what you want with no, like do mm. not harm basically mm. it's quite a simple principle I to live that. by mm. Mm. Um, um maybe again to take um just the other side for a moment what what would you say to the to the the notion that um, in this very tightly knitted society that we have created around the world we have to take responsibility so with um covid as an example we have to take kind of a a unified response to it 
So does it not mean that we as, you know, not, not to do in what, what you're saying, don't do harm to others? Is it my responsibility then to wear a mask or to, to get the vaccine? Do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think there's a, there's a few things to unpack within that. Mm -hmm. I think we, come at, we have a responsibility to ourselves first and foremost. So if you are someone that is eating processed junk food, not exercising, not sleeping, high stress, and then you're telling other people they should protect other people by wearing a mask or getting a vaccine, that's a contradiction from, from the start, right? So it's personal responsibility. And it's much more difficult to do the work on practicing health than it is to simply put a mask on or have a jab in your arm. Secondly, it's if you are going to, if, if, if this virus, or we, we now know it, it, it wasn't, but let's say it was a virus that travel that, that could travel in the way that we were told it could and that the vaccines would protect other people as we were told they would, we now know they didn't. Um, is there a moral responsibility to protect other people? I think it's a different situation than the one that we're in because we know that the, the, the particles are smaller than the fabric of the mask mm. and therefore they didn't work. Mm. We know that the vaccine didn't stop you from getting it or spreading it. But mm. I think the, the outrage for me isn't that these things were proposed because I, I understand that we as humans, we want to, we want to help each other and we don't want people to die. Mm. It's that I feel that it was known that these things, it was, it was known and we now know it was known mm. that these things don't work. And it seemed to me opportunistic mm. to gain more control to mandate these things and i just don't feel that any medical treatment should ever be mandated i i, I think that's a part i think that comes down to personal sovereignty and freedom um and and this was my like I'm, I'm not against vaccination i'm not against masks i think that's a personal choice i'm against the mandating of and the restriction of freedom if you choose not to comply and this is what we've seen happen um particularly when we know now that we know and we have known it doesn't work and then you have those people who jump on board because now they finally have control. They, they can exert control over others. You don't come mm. into my shop without wearing a mask. You don't, you don't do this without X, Y, and Z. Especially in Germany. I, now I'm, I'm here for a week. I find it coming from the UK, which was freedom. I think in, in the UK for, for the last month, I, I forgot that COVID existed. Mm. And here in Germany... Um, I thought we learned more from the past. I think if you look at the things that make you feel good, right? Mm -hmm. So let's think about being in nature, exercising, mm -hmm. um, being around other people in groups and community. Mm -hmm. These were all things that were mandated against mm -hmm. during this pandemic. You look at in hospitals in the UK and, and the, and I, I won't go down this rabbit hole because I'll be there forever, but briefly what when someone has a has a as an illness like cancer or heart disease we know the diets and the practices that can help reverse those and they're not prescribed in the same way that we we know that that nature that exercise that um community are, are so integral to, to to humanity and yet we mandate against those things during a virus but yet you can still go and buy alcohol in the shop you know, it's like, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, for me, it, 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 
the way that it's, you have to take a step back and look at it logically and think, well, that doesn't sit, that doesn't sound quite right. In fact, in the beginning of the pandemic, um, parks and, and playgrounds were closed and yeah, um, yeah. off license were open. And you couldn't see other people. No. No. It's, um, uh, it's quite insane, literally, what happened. And if you look at the definition of insanity, you know, doing the same thing each day with hoping of, the, of a different outcome. And let's, let's, and let's, let's go back to what, you know, how we think we should act. Like, how would I, because people will say, well, what should they have done differently? Well, for me, I would, well, I would have just, I would have appreciated the humanity and the, and the, and the kind of the, the authenticity of some of that. We don't know what this is. Hmm. We think the best thing to do is going to be these things. We're going to take these various experts with conflicting ideas and we're going to come to a solution that, that, everyone can get on board with and then we're going to try this if it doesn't work we're going to try something else that authenticity is what i would expect from a from a leader you know if mm. you're looking at archetype you're looking at that like mm. that divine king archetype is like mm -hmm. you know the compassion and the and the and the patient that you, you you want someone that, that that you can relate to and you know that they're, they're, that they're acting from a place of truth and 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 uh, conscious intent Mm -hmm. and love ultimately right mm -hmm. what we got instead was yeah, yeah we know exactly what we're going to do we're going to do this and then when it didn't work lie about it cover it up and or if you believe the other's narrative which is actually we knew exactly what we we're doing and it's how can we make as much money as possible for this group of people mm -hmm. which is more what i think the whole mm -hmm. thing was about it was how can we make as much money as possible at the expense of at the expense of our the, the people that we are mm -hmm ruling over, which is, I think, what happened. The writing is quite clear in the, in the, um, at the wall, on the wall, with the wall. But, no, 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 but. Um, um, you know what I'd like, you know what I'd, you know what I'd mm. like to go into? Pistachios. Okay. <laughs> I, I like the little segue. <laughs> Go on then, tell me about your pistachio experience. Okay, so um, some time ago, at a location that we will not disclose, um, we, the, a group of four of us, myself, yourself, present company included, mm. embarked on a, uh, an experience where we took a fairly large dose of LSD. Mm -hmm. Um, to the point where I wasn't sure I was coming back. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, yep. Um, I haven't really talked about it after much. No. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, that was actually the first, it was the second time I'd ever, I'd ever taken LSD. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I've done other plant medicine, other, other kind of psychedelics, but the first time I've done LSD. And I think it was quite a size, now I now understand it to be a, fairly sizable uh, dose and i say that for context not for not from ego by the way <laughs> <laughs> especially with lsd it's it's important yeah. to 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 kind of 100%. gauge what's <laughs> and uh during the experience i you had some pistachios hmm. and i had never eaten a pistachio in my Amazing. what 20 odd years at that point and i couldn't believe that pistachios existed <laughs> <that experience. laughs> and uh, i think we had this and i looked at it like this yeah. divine pistachio yeah. 
And um, ever since then, I've loved pistachios. They're so good. And I think probably to describe that experience, you will remember this. We had a theory that if we, and I think it kind of links into like the morphic resonance theory of shared consciousness, shared space. Mm -hmm. We had this theory that we decided to test on a high dose of psychedelics, Mm -hmm. whether we could share uh, consciousness Mm -hmm. through psychedelics, the four of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you remember, we laid in a cross with our heads in the middle. Mm -hmm. We took a a large dose of ketamine while Mm on LSD. Mm -hmm. We played an East Forest track. Mm-hmm. went into a meditative state and I felt my body dissolve mm. and then quite alarmingly but also interestingly started to f- see myself in the body of the other three people that were there and when we came out of that experience we all had had exactly the same experience mm-hmm. which to this day still absolutely blows my mind that mm. I saw uh, one of the other guys with, we, with yesterday and he said that the amount of empathy and understanding it gave us for each other mm-hmm. and the conversations that followed were incredible. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really, that's a true kind of like, I think when you think about what, what a psychonaut, right? You're literally going into this like realm and trying to, trying to discover these new places. I think we definitely discovered something, something, something new there. The, the, um, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought up this experience, and that you want to talk about it. I, I, um, if it was only been you, for example, who would have come out of it and says, "Guys, I was in your body," and all of us said, "Well, no, I was just somewhere and you know experiencing funny, funny images," but all of us turned around and and said, "This was insane. This was something different." And we all, without necessarily having the words to articulate what the experience was, but the gnosis was there. Mm. And that's the power of um, of your mind, right? I think it's the, well, I think it's... Some might say more... it might be ketamine, but... <laughs> It leaves me with a lot more questions than that. Than and I think this is what's interesting in the psychedelic experience is that we feel like we're going to get more. We, we, we go into it for answers. What we actually come out of it with is more questions. It's like, you know, we're, we're fairly ignorant before. And then you open up. And I remember this with mushrooms where like I would take more and more and more. And you know, do you really want to know? Do you really want to know? I mean, you see something, you're like, now I just have a hundred questions. Like, <laughs> and, mm. and, and this is a similar thing. It's like, you know, you, I don't know. I, I, I have to honestly say, I just don't know what that was. I think it's, it suggests to me that maybe there is a, we are a, a receiver and we receive mm. consciousness in our body. And maybe that we are receivers tuned into each other. I, I can't explain it. I can only, I can only reflect on the experience and say what what, what I felt mm. and what I saw, and it was interesting that, and it kind of, the fact that you guys saw the same thing, mm. speaks to the, um, the the nature of the experience. Um, and I'm sure for for some who who, who will be listening, 
who have never experienced that they might they they say well but you guys were tripping and it happened to be mm-hmm. um in the same space which already in itself is mind-blowing <laughs> you know if you just take away the um, sharing consciousness but just being in the same space is um, to me already mind-blowing and if you take other substances um, there's um, alex gray who was a very famous uh, um, kind of psychedelic artist i would say and and arguably one of the few people who can somehow depict the dmt space quite accurately mm. and again and again again people come back and say yeah i was that's where i was in that dome of turning heads exactly there and that to me means there's something more than meets the eye and you mentioned we have the receiver if we look at the you know a very common um, quote you hear is um, we are the universe experiencing itself so we all come from the same source if that's the case uh, the case <laughs> see my mind is <laughs> still with a k <laughs> um if this is the case then once we break through the veil with um, whichever compound we choose. Um, but behind is the same place. And I think um, Terence McKenna mentioned that. It doesn't matter what you take, but once you open the door, um, kind of in the same space. I think the, 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 it's interesting to think about the differences between compounds. So the, the, it almost feels like the experience can be similar, but the guide is different. So the energy and, and the kind of the, the, the conversation that you have with, with ayahuasca, for example, and the, the entities that you interact with are different to the conversations that you have, albeit for your mind on mushrooms, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like mm-hmm. there's almost like you can say it's, you're going into a similar space with a different guide, mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think the interesting thing with LSD was that they felt like there was no guide. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. like there was no one else there whereas mushrooms it felt like okay there's someone else here mm. I'm, I'm interacting and engaging with someone or someone's plural or multiple <laughs> entities and uh, mm. that you know when you explain that to someone who maybe hasn't experienced psychedelics it sounds sounds quite frightening mm. but actually when you're in it it feels completely normal it feels to- it feels totally mm. normal um you know, some of the, the dialogue that I've had on mushrooms that you find that it's like there's a real personality sometimes. Mm-hmm. Someone's like almost like sassiness. joking with you, like mm-hmm. yeah, like yeah. Sassy, like a sassiness. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to describe it. Yeah, a little bit sassy. It's like no, of course. Like you are something. It's like very direct. The response is like super direct. And it's like mm-hmm. well, that you're like mm-hmm. oh <laughs> okay <laughs> okay. Um, so so yeah, I think the I think maybe the 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 biological reaction with the body can be different based on the substance but to your point yeah i think there's maybe i think what it does at least from what i'm I'm, i start to realize is that maybe it's a uh it's open it's expanding our awareness at the moment our awareness is limited to this this range i think what it does is expand our awareness to see through different dimensions of what's actually there because you can almost be in two places at once you can open your eyes and be in the physical world and what i find when i open my eyes on a high dose of mushrooms for example is i see the fabric that creates reality, right? You see the geometry and then you start to realize that through your thought, thought, you can influence the geometry of what you see. And perhaps this is how reality is created. But equally, if you close your eyes, you can be in an entirely different space, mm-hmm. you know, which is interesting. Um, the other thing that I found since 
taken a lot of psychedelics and I, also this is more something that I've noticed and so I think my vessel has become cleaner so you know reducing like alcohol intake reducing chemical um, interaction um, eating you know super clean taking more psychedelics more meditation a combination of all these things mm. start to have these kind of like moments of expanded awareness without taking anything so for example like I can sit in a conversation with someone and start to know what they're going to say before they say it mm-hmm. and they start to know what's going to happen before it happens mm-hmm. and little bits of it and I, that's only really started since mm-hmm. i've started to I've, I've been taking more more psychedelics and i think mm-hmm. it's testament to the the nature of the of, of, of the psychedelics mm-hmm. where it can start to open you your awareness up to to, to more things that's interesting so you, what you're saying basically is you, you're not um solely having an, a psychedelic experience with a psychedelic compound but now psychedelic experiences are coming into your life um without the help from from a um external yeah, in, in, input yeah it very very subtly very mm-hmm. subtly um i don't know if you've experienced this but my dreams for example are way more vivid mm. now like a lot more vivid mm. um kind of like at like so, so like that kind of astral space in between as well it's like lucid kind of astral like it's yeah it's, it's difficult to it's difficult to explain and similar to like if someone says to you like explain the dmt experience mm. what would you say it's like, i can't you know, I remember the first time I was the first time I smoked DMT was I'd had done I'd I'd um, had a few ayahuasca ceremonies before that, and I was laying on Hampstead Heath at two in the morning with my friend. As you do. Like, okay, are you ready? And I was like, yeah. And I remember listening to Terence McKenna. It was like you have to get the third pull in to like break through, right? So I got the first pull, and like everything starts to crack and break. Mm. But the second pull, and like, I can't do a third one. And my friend's like, you have mm. to do the third one. And I was already out of it. And then you hit the mm. third one, you feel like this, like just just like this, like coming out of your body almost. And in this like glass hall of like geometry and this like almost like this mother figure. And, and it happened so quickly, I can't even remember the rest of it. But I remember coming out of it and just being like, just my mind was just like blowed. And I held onto this thought and I was like, it felt so real. But I was like, show me a sign. This is really real. And I felt this dum on my chest. And I said to my friend, I was like, is it raining? And he was like, no. And I looked up and I saw this like, like across. So what I was looking for was a, a reference in my 3D reality that what I just experienced was, was real and would cross over. No. And it, yeah, and I saw this real like, real world um extension of that experience <laughs> i don't know where to how to continue now <laughs> take it take it that what you will um i think probably to caveat all of this talk of psychedelics is to is to say that i probably wasn't the most careful mm-hmm. at times in the sense of like you know these substances require a huge amount of respect mm-hmm. and you know we are opening ourselves up to the unknown mm-hmm. and there is light and dark in in all things mm-hmm. and i had an experience re- not recently maybe a year or so ago where uh, it was a, a shaman that works with dmt mm-hmm. 
and uh, prior to the the DMT, he said to me, "He's like, we've 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 got some work to do." He's like, "You're holding on to something." And before the DMT gave me uh, happy, mm-hmm. so I did a huge. Can you explain what happy is? Like, yeah, so it's essentially like an Amazonian tobacco blend that's blown up the nose, and it's said to cleanse the the, the body. It can. In, in small doses, it's, it's it's typically very very grounding, very centering. But in a big dose, it you, it can cause you to purge, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe this happy was mixed with some other <laughs> substances, shall we say? And I literally was on all fours, throwing up violently for about half an hour. Mm-hmm. And then he, but prior to, I mean, he did the other side, sorry, before that. And then I was laying in the grass, just weak, couldn't move, felt like I was dying. And I'd, it was the most physically ill I'd felt from any substance ever, including the worst I've been drunk. The worst, I, I had no energy. I was just laying there, being sick. Just I went white. Wow. And he then came over and said, now it's time to smoke the DMT. And I'd had no energy. I, I couldn't even grab, take it. Mm. put it in my mouth and i did eight rounds of eight seconds inhale eight seconds exhale dmt and blue lotus and the the i saw what i was holding right mm-hmm. so basically i had this like energy around my like my stomach that attached to like my like stomach area is like a block and again i don't know what it was what it is but i saw myself purging this energy out and off me and the last round i saw this like almost like egyptian like figure and i just got up and just went and it all like let and just felt light afterwards and what he explained to me was when you're working with um plant medicines right and you're not properly cleansing the space afterwards and this is obviously what I do. I've been preparing the space proper beautifully before, but afterwards I hadn't been closing the space properly every time. So you're 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 relieving people, helping people with these things, but you're not then cleansing yourself in the space afterwards. Some of these entities can attach themselves to you, and this is what and this is what had happened, right? So I've essentially been able to release this thing, and then now since then I'm I'm super careful on how I prepare the space, where I do it, how I cleanse the space at the end, anytime I work with it. And I don't enter lightly into taking any kind of psychedelic web. Not to say that I was ever abusing it. I mean, I've never done it in like a social setting. I've never gone to parties with mushrooms, but ceremonially, perhaps I hadn't in the past closed the space, closed the Mm -hmm. ceremony properly. Um, But after that, I definitely have, because it was a... It was it was horrific. <laughs> wow, I like that, and thank you for sharing because I um I I've never done that. Also, the the, the closing part. Mm. There's a lot of emphasis on you know um, um creating the right set and setting, and then afterwards you're usually so. I think it's particularly important when you're holding space for other people, right? So when you're holding space and helping other people, and you know over the last five or six years is something that I've done um, is accidentally I've ended up becoming someone that people come to, to, to do. And I've kind of learned as we've gone and over the amount of ceremonies we've now done and, and, and how to hold space for people in this way 
and it's something that you just develop over time. I think the interesting thing, the thing I love about mushrooms, I think I feel like mushrooms are, they are our indigenous plant medicine in this mm. country. But, mm-hmm. you know, in, in ancient times, we developed rituals and ways and ceremony to work with these medicines. And that's been lost with, you know, Christianity, the burning of the witches and, and, and you know, all of these things that have disappeared and our ancient traditions being lost. And we almost need to find a new a new way to, to, to work with these uh, with these medicines. Um, the rites of passage, the, the ritual nature of, of how we can use these the, these these medicines for, uh, for for our benefit and for other people's benefit has been lost so it's like rediscovering a way to work with them and i took a lot from the early ayahuasca ceremonies that i did and the other ceremonies i've been part of to know how to create the center and close the space how to hold space for people and it's been a it's been a bit of a learning experience for, through that and also i've obviously had to do a hell of a lot of work on myself to be able to be comfortable and and and, and to almost lead people through that and back out of, of, of those experiences i don't think you can be a good facilitator without having had experiences of course no, no, no of, course um, not, of course not um yeah it, it's it's learning by doing there's no um there's no university course on it um, <laughs> you can't take an online course and be <laughs> <laughs> 29 quid <laughs> six saturdays <laughs> and you are our facilitator <laughs> Oh, 10 years of deep work mm. i think you're and you you maybe you're ready um i think you're never really ready and as a um from i have i've not had a lot of experience as facilitating and holding space but those moments i i was i was lucky enough to do it because it's really i'm, I'm so grateful to be in that position mm. um to see people look at you after five six hours of you know tough work and they you know you can see in the eyes okay i get it now that makes being my heart. Of service yeah being of service. yeah, yeah. That's that thing right i think the yeah. thing that, that for me i think it, the way it happened for me was i was in a a really dark place where i was you know i, I wasn't i wasn't myself but i also was in a very i had a lot of unhealthy habits Mm-hmm. you know i'm talking when i discovered this is prior to discovering psychedelics and having that kind of reset where i was very very self-centered very in the ego very driven by money materialism etc mm-hmm. and psychedelics provided me with a way out of that and mm-hmm. and and i wanted to, i saw other people experiencing the same things and i wanted to extend my experience to those people and at the beginning you know i was telling people you should look into you know there's loads of different ways, right? I'm not saying psychedelics is the way, you know, you can, mm. you can get there through counseling, through therapy, through meditative, but I know it worked for me. And I, and, you know, I, I was suggesting to people that I saw going through a similar thing and I knew that we're inherently unhappy to, to look at the same route. And the issue that I found was that for a lot of people to commit to going to the Amazon for two weeks and take an ayahuasca was a mm. bit of a step you know whereas to go away for three days and take mushrooms Mm. it was a lot of a lower barrier to entry and we were very at the start very much in the same look we are not pretending to be shaman we are Mm. not pretending to be these practitioners the the plants do the work we will we will bring the people provide the certain setting we'll enlist the help of of um 
some facilitate that we know and we'll we'll, we'll, we'll create the space mm. and then what started to happen was we saw these we, we saw people have these amazing transformative experiences mm. and to, to to kind of uh provide structure around that we would do things like provide tools so you know we have a, a breathwork pr- practitioner who could provide tools to to cope in states of stress or anxiety would find a meditation teacher a yoga teacher a plant-based chef would set create this amazing space in nature would do some cold water therapy would go walking would do art would do all these all these 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 tools around the experience that would help to create the environment where people could feel safe and and could feel vulnerable and then the experience and then i think just over the time you you you'd oh that worked really well last time that didn't work so well actually when people share before and share after that adds to that experience let's add that actually let's take that away let's work and over this course of years and years of doing it you come across a a a way that people seem to go out of and i think to speak to your point when you see people come in come into an experience and they're holding all of this emotional baggage and trauma and and you come out of it and you then speak to them three months six months later and you see the impact it's had on their lives it's it's incredible it's incredible and i think that i mean i think i think that is again comes down to you have the experience yourself and you share your experience with other people if those people mm-hmm. can go out and do the same then we start to create this ripple effect of ultimately people healing themselves what it comes down to if we're we're going around day to day and we're treating each other in, in a in a in a bad way through trauma that we've experienced that's, that's given us behaviors and habits that are inherently bad to other people if we can go in and resolve that trauma that's causing that behavior and we create people that are a lot nicer to other people and if everyone's full of love for everyone else then Mm. the world looks like a lot different uh, looks like a much different place Mm. and and we all suffer from from traumas it's Mm. a it's a human gift um to be able to to experience trauma um but then it's also our responsibility um to to deal with it so that we can be better humans with each other um, and then i think we spoke about it on our last phone call it's this um, the only way out is is this untethered undividing love that we can give to each yeah. other yeah. Um, a lot of it comes from stuff that we don't even necessarily consciously remember mm. i've 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 gone back and experienced things that happened when i was four or five six years old that mm. i would look at now as that's not traumatic, but even the simple things like having something taken from you or lose or a friend moving away in at that time can be the most traumatic thing in the world to you. And you then develop, like, let's say, let's give an example. Your best friend moves away when you're five years old. And after that, you struggle to make friends with other people because you're worried that if you make friends with someone, they're going to leave. And then you perpetuate this, mm-hmm. this behavior of not being able to form bonds and relationships. Mm. when you get by the time you get to 30 and, you, and you're still struggling with that and you haven't and you, you you don't know where it comes from it sometimes take takes having a psychedelic experience to go back and remember that happening responding differently resolving it and then going out into the world and, and having that 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 healed obviously there's an integration process and, and work to be done afterwards but at least you've mm. you've you know you've you, you've recognized what caused it in the first place and you mentioned something very important. Um, the 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 experience itself is is almost um, diminishingly small versus what what needs to happen afterwards. Mm. Once you cracked open, and 
as a little side note, we all need everybody to be cracked as wide open as possible. Um, but once once you are um, open, you, you need to to integrate your experience. You need to find tools in your in your everyday life. You need to find community around you to be able mm. to speak to share. Um, I wonder how what you guys and, and what you do um, in order to facilitate that. Yeah, really good question. So we have um, someone in particular that, that, that comes that is an integration coach that is available for people to work with afterwards. We make sure that the day that people go home isn't the last, isn't the the last they see and hear everyone else. So there's an ongoing communication as part mm. of that community, and there's tools and reflection points that are given over that period of weeks and check-ins. And then we've been doing these meetups, these regular meetups, and the amazing, beautiful thing is this community of. Know, hundreds of people that have been on these experiences that can stay in touch and speak with each other and have that support at work and i think then it's also providing the tools that are that are given on that experience to take away and use so for me that like, i know that i need to have certain things in my day that allow me to keep my mind body healthy right so i need to do my meditation practice i need my breath work practice i need my exercise i need my first meal of the day to be ex if I've had if those things in place, everything else goes fairly consistently in, in, in the right direction. And I think that's even more important coming back from a experience like that, because you know, when I came back from my first ayahuasca experience like nearly like 10 years ago, I didn't know how to process it. I didn't have anyone around me that I could speak to. It wasn't really a, a popular thing. No one really knew what it was. I think I went out and drank like a week later and got pissed because I was like, I did, it was so much to try and process and take in. I hadn't developed the tools to deal with what I'd experienced. So to your point, it cracked me open. I saw mm. all the ways that I was hurting myself, hurting other people, all the things that I'd, that I'd done that were, that were out of sync with what I wanted. And, and I didn't know how to process any of that, all the big changes that I needed to make in my life. And it was just too much. And I just, mm went back and I relied on the same tools that I had used previously, which was to, to try and forget about it, you know, mm. get myself drunk so that I wouldn't, wouldn't, know, wouldn't have to feel it mm. or, you know, wouldn't engage in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, integration mm. is, you know, you, you get that. It's the whole, um, the whole thing, isn't it? If, when you get the message, like hang up the phone, like go and do the work. You haven't got mm. to keep going back do the work that like actually implement the lessons and the things that you're learning i think we do get to a point where um we do just need to go and physically do the work in the real world mm. which is which is arguably even more challenging than the, the initial mm. experience itself yeah especially once you know mm. um i mean again it, it sounds so um dramatic once you know you know but um once you know a little bit more about yourself it's tough to um, to be in this 3D world, to show up fully, to show up um, um, quite wide open, you know, to let that light shine out, be humble, be vulnerable. Um, I, I understand the, the 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 difficulty that that that, that entails. And integration, you know, when, when people or when, when I speak to friends about my experiences and they say, "Oh, so what's it like to to drink ayahuasca? What is it like to do X, Y, and Z?" So, it's diff a it's difficult to to describe anyway but that's not the important bit i'm not doing it for for the shits and giggles i'm really interested in who i am w what's this thing in me 
what is my consciousness? What does it mean? So for me, it's much more important for someone to tell me, okay, so how did you integrate this? Oh, now we're talking. You know, you said in the beginning, um, I don't care about conversations about Will Smith anymore. It's it's meaningless to me. I want I want to know what you experienced on DMT. What did you see? And equally, I want to know how how did you overcome this this really challenging experience? What did you do in order to? Oh, so you incorporated um, cold showers? Why? You know. Um, so the, the the psychedelic experience is is much 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 greater than than just taking five grams of mushrooms mm. here's your dose <laughs> it's a good dose <laughs> definitely, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> definitely get definitely get you there <laughs> it's a good you dose can, for anyone that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good dose <laughs> i concur <laughs> terence concurred <laughs> he did he did what um, a guy ah the beautiful um beautiful mind Beautiful mind. Um, now you spoke about it at the beginning, and kind of in order to to bring this slowly to a, a sensible, um, meaningful ending, I want you to talk about, or I want you or want us to talk about love, and and what it means to you um, in your life. Mm. So I had a, re a realization recently that love isn't something that you isolate and direct towards one person mm -hmm. it's something that you something that i should practice day mm -hmm. to day and i, I love the I, i love that you mentioned the ramdas mantra and i've actually got it written on my wall just behind me here it's I, i'm loving awareness it's like to to practice consciously practice love and be in a state of love and let that guide your decisions and i, I question a lot of like You know, when I'm when I'm doing something, I try and catch myself and say, "Am I doing this from a place of love or fear?" Invariably, it's one or the other. Um, in terms of how that manifests into a into like a loving relationship, for example, like I had a lot of challenge around that recently, and it's something that I went into my most recent psychedelic experience questioning: is why do I why do my relationships tend to end after around a year? What is it that, and it, that's happened to me four or five times now, what is it that's causing that? And it showed me that actually I don't feel that I'm worthy of love. And I didn't, I hadn't recognized it. And it, it, it showed me how that anytime it becomes, you know, challenging or there's a difference of position or whatever, I tend to rather than work through it and resolve it, think okay that's not right and walk away because i'm able to i think that's part of my like, ego is i'm able to walk away and not care and I, i can detach like but sometimes i think there's more to be gained through growing through something and the, and, and the strength and the unity that provides afterwards so i actually ended up going back to a relationship that i had that we, we'd, we'd finished a couple of months ago and say and kind of being really open and vulnerable and saying This is what I experience. This is what I feel. Uh, I know that rather than just assuming that we love each other every day, I have to get up and practice love mm -hmm. and, I and I'm willing to, and I want to, because I think when you're in that state of, of love with someone else, it's, there's no better feeling in the world than being seen by someone by being, you know, feeling someone's love for you and then reciprocating that back. Mm 
I don't think there's any there's there's any better feeling in the world. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I I agree wholeheartedly that love is a practice. Mm. How does love inform how you um, how you are as a man, how you are as a um, human in general, but also as a as a businessman? Um, as a you know now i can go back to all your beautiful labels but mm -hmm. as um mm -hmm. as as louis you know as the whole um i think i'm still trying to i think it's a guiding has to be a guiding principle but certainly still figuring figuring that out because it's still overlaid with an element of fear maybe i'm am i holding on to things that i'm not doing from a place of love i'm doing from a place of fear mm. and i think that's evident for me at the moment some of the decisions that I've made over the last year or two years have been from a place of fear. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really in this stage at the moment of consciously analyzing where I put my energy and my attention and questioning what is that motivated by? And I think love is a guiding principle for that. Am I doing this from a place of love for myself, for humanity, for the animals, for the world? Like we've got a finite, we have infinite energy in one respect, but we also have a finite of energy and attention in another respect. So if I've got this 100% energy for each day, how am I using that? And am I using it on things that mm -hmm. I'm able to drive through love? Or am I using it on things that I'm driving through fear? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that I'm going through at the moment, actually, is looking at the things that I'm doing and, and trying to trying to organize things in such a way where everything is from, or as much as possible, is from a place of love. Beautiful. I, I like your thinking. Uh, it's. Mm. I knew I was onto something. Went back then in the day when mm. I met you. <laughs> it's a. It's almost a German approach to life. <laughs> <laughs> I should learn from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Lou. It was a huge pleasure. Um, like thank I'm, you so I'm so glad, much. I'm glad. I'm, I love the name, like, because mm. there's a story behind the name, mm. and I got to discover pistachios, which I'm. Mm. I'm incredibly happy about. Yeah, no, you you've been a big part of this uh, this inception. Um, I'm I'm hoping to have uh, more conversation with you about uh, um, about this topic, about life in general. I, I like uh, you inspire me, um, even when I when I stalk you on, on social media. So thank you for that. I hope you do it um, to many others. Do you want to quickly say where people can find you if they want to? Yeah, I guess. Um... Yeah, I guess uh, mainly via, mainly, I'm trying to do more with Instagram, but I have this love-hate relationship with it. Mm. But yeah, uh, at Louis underscore Blake is my Instagram. I'm, try, I'm trying to do more with it. Um, maybe that's one of my things to consider from a place of love, how well, I'm too. using that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Put a big heart on your, on your handle. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Hey, thank you again. Much love, brother. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Hey, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Um, if you'd like to follow Louis, you can find out more about um, his ventures on his website, louisblake.com, or follow him on Instagram um, with the handle louis underscore blake. As well, if you'd like to support the Pistachio experience um, a little more, you can follow us on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcast. And if you want to go the extra mile, um, 
why don't you leave a nice comment or rate us. I hope to welcome you back uh, for the next installment. And for now, love always, Roman. <laughs>